You are listening to the You Are a Lawyer podcast. I am the podcast host, Kyla Denanio, a 2015 law school graduate. This podcast was created to share the experiences and successes of law school graduates who created their own paths to career success. In episode 24, I am speaking with an advocate for mindful return and lawyer. This guest created a program to ease the transition back into the office after becoming a parent. Based in Washington, D.C., today's guest is Lori Mahalik-Levin. Welcome to the podcast, Lori. It's wonderful to be here, Kyla. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Would you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I wear two hats professionally. I am a lawyer and partner at Denton's where I practice Medicare reimbursement law. And that's on a 50% schedule. And in the other half of my professional work week, I run a program called Mindful Return that helps new parents transition back to work after parental leave and that helps employers to retain their new parent talent. I'm also mama to two wonderful redheaded boys who are, (laughs) one is about to turn eight and the other one just turned 10 and they are in second and fourth grade and have been home with us the entire pandemic because school (laughs) has been closed since Friday the 13th, 2020. So (laughs) yes, and I live in Washington DC with my husband and my two kids. Okay. And you mentioned specializing in Medicare regulatory law. How did you get into that nuanced practice of law? (laughs) Yeah. So I have a specialty that's probably about a centimeter wide and a million miles deep. Mm -hmm. And I got into it because I was really interested in public policy as an undergrad. That's what I majored in. And so I had this inkling that I wanted a regulatory practice because that seemed to me where the actual rules that mattered got made. And so after law school, or rather during law school, I did a summer associate you know, position at a firm where I dabbled in all of the regulatory practices. And I also discovered I re- loved regulatory work because regulations are kind of like foreign languages and I love foreign mm-hmm. languages and like that translating. And so I dabbled in a whole bunch of different regulatory areas, fell in love with the healthcare practice and the hospitals that the firm was representing. And just sort of, you know, traveled down that path. I worked at two different firms for a couple of years and then ended up going in-house to a healthcare trade association when I wanted to be doing more policy work. And then after about six years being in-house, I wound up coming back to a firm. So do you speak any foreign languages? I speak French. Yeah. Um, A little bit of Spanish, like enough to understand, but mostly French. It was my minor in college and I spent a year living in France after college and before law school. And wound up meeting my husband over there, although he's from New Jersey. So you just never know where you're going to meet people. (laughs) Yes. You never know. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what are the other types of regulatory work? I know employment law is a big one. Mm. Yeah. So I, the other ones that were sort of on the table at the farm was radio communications, like telecommunications. Yes. Which I didn't really view as the future of the world. And then another one was the environmental area okay, um, and energy and like oil and gas practices as well. Okay. Yeah. So you were already interested in rules and regulations while you were an undergrad. What was it that you thought you wanted to practice when you got out of law school or was it this area? When I got out of law school, it really was this area because okay. I had spent the summers at a firm really trying it on for size. Whenever I first entered law school, I thought I wanted to be doing domestic violence work. And I started off, you know, I did the domestic violence clinic at Georgetown where I went to law school and it was fantastic. And I was very passionate about that work and realized that I probably didn't have the emotional constitution to handle doing that as a full-time career and rather wanted to have that as something that I was, you know, passionate about on the side, but not my full-time day job. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. You mentioned it quickly, but you said you practice your partner at a firm and then also you have mindful return. Mm-hmm. Why did you create that and what is the purpose behind it? Sheer desperation, Kyla, drove <laughs> me to create Mindful Return. The program is really designed to help new parents make the transition back to work after having a baby in a much more calm, much more empowered way. And I went back to work after my first child and found it challenging. I went back full time to my trade association policy role. And my oldest son refused to take a bottle. I had lipase issues with my breast milk. Like Mm -hmm. there was a lot going on. It was just really tough, but I managed. And then I had baby number two, two years later. And my husband and I like to say that at the time, one plus one felt like 85 and things (laughs) were going downhill and I was not in a good place. And I looked around and tried to find resources that really helped people navigate the transition to working parenthood. And all I could find were resources related to the baby, right? Like how to pump milk and massage the baby and puree baby food and all that stuff, but not how to um, sort of navigate that identity transition as the working parent. Mm -hmm. And so my husband is a career coach and an entrepreneur. And when I was complaining that there wasn't anything out there and, you know, I wish there was just a class I could take on how to do this. He looked at me and said, what are you going to do about it? And so that sort of planted the seed for me to start blogging on the topic. And then ultimately I created a four week online cohort based program that's been running for six years now. Um, We have a mom version and a dad version and a parents of special needs children version, all designed to really help the new parent with the transition, introduce them to other parents who are going through that transition at the exact same time. And we have 73 different employers that currently offer it as a parental leave benefit because, you know, they want to keep their employees and have them come back. Yes. As I like to say, that transition back is a process, not an event. It's not like you flip a switch and one day totally you're back and everything's perfect and fine and as it was before. No, 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 no. It's, I think, a year-long process of shifting into the new role, the new identity, the new schedule, the new logistics mm-hmm. of everything, and really just sort of phasing things in as, as yeah. you can. Yeah. My husband and I, we both have really demanding jobs, but we're really good at here. You take it for this meeting or I I have to be on camera with a client. I couldn't even imagine. I'm like, I used to leave the house every day to go to work. (laughs) So silly. Like, why would I ever do that? And I thought it was weird how my interest just kind of shifted, right? Like I was 110% into my job and then I get back and I'm just like, I still like it, but I want to play with my daughter. And I'm kind of like, and that's totally normal. I think yeah. all of our identities shift and it's normal to want to play with your baby. I mean, <laughs> good that you want to play with your baby, right? But we don't hear enough about the the normalizing of that, I think, yeah. um, as we transition to becoming yeah. working parents. But I think it's normal. And I think our perspectives and what we care about and what we want to emphasize and what our values are, they all shift over time. Mm-hmm. And good on that. I also want to just put a plug in for the fact that the first year after having a baby is, uh, according to the neuroscience, one of the most profound times of development for the human brain. Hmm. And so we, as new working parents, are you know making these brain connections and synapses and new ways of thinking, and we're actually gaining all sorts of skills that are, in fact, really useful to our careers and to becoming leaders. And so I know it doesn't feel like that when we're in the like thick of the baby haze, yeah. but in fact, I am a huge believer that becoming a working parent actually makes you better at your job, not worse. 
I could see that. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Good to know that there's some science behind that. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Yes. Okay. Were you afraid to start the blog? Oh my gosh. You just like... <laughs> I was terrified. I'm out yeah. of my mind terrified. I mean, I'm like risk averse lawyer. What, what, mm-hmm. what would I be doing starting a company? I remember the day I was sitting on our, you know, queen size bed. Like I remember the bedspread I was sitting on and my hands were just literally shaking mm-hmm. at the keyboard thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm writing a blog post. Ah, you know, what's going to happen to me whenever I write this yeah. thing. And of course, you know, you write a blog post and then nothing happens. It yeah. just sits there. <laughs> I was like, well, okay, I guess there was nothing to be really terrified about. Um, but maybe if a few people read it. So then I put it up and like five people read it. Right. And then, then I started writing more and more and gaining confidence in writing about these topics and my opinions about them. And fortunately, by the time the traction on the blog had picked up, I felt a lot more comfortable with it. But yeah. I think it's really, you just have to start typing literally. Yeah, the beauty of being creative, even I went through with this podcast, you create it, you don't want anyone to see it, Mm -hmm. but then you wouldn't have made it if no one looked at it. So you're like, okay, here, just take it. And I hope someone sees it, but you know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. So yes. And I found that over time, (laughs) I've gotten a lot more comfortable with it. I actually want people to read it now because I know it helps. Yeah. And I think that's where you can move into that feeling more bold because you have some experience with people giving you feedback saying, oh my gosh, that was so helpful. And yeah, please do more. You have specifically said that this program helps parents. So it's not only for women returning for parental leave, it's for any type of parents, adoptive, whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have a couple of different versions of the course, one for people who identify as moms, another for people who identify as dads, and another for people who identify as parents of special needs children. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there are people in the course who are there because they arrived at parenthood in any number of different ways. So in the mom course, we have moms who have adopted a child, who have given birth to a child, who have had a surrogate deliver the baby, who are in same-sex relationships. Same thing on the the dad side. So really, however you arrive at parenthood, the course is both available and friendly to you. Okay. Also in January Mm -hmm. of this year, We launched a program for managers of people who are going out on parental leave to help them navigate their team's transition and their own personal challenges that they have, you know, having a member of their team step away. So we're looking to support the manager through the process in the belief that that will also help support the parent. That's genius. Thank you. Yeah, much needed. (laughs) Absolutely. That actually is another void that was out there. Mm. Um, Because you're kind of like, oh, what do we do for these three months? Just kind of hold your breath until the person gets back. (laughs) Right, right. Okay. I co-host a podcast called Parents at Work. And one of the themes that we hear every single interview is, you know, what makes the biggest difference when you're going out on leave as to how your experience was? My manager, my manager, my manager, mm-hmm. my manager, whether my manager was good or bad or, you know, empathetic or hostile makes all of the difference as to the employee's experience. It does. I love it. Yeah. Good. So it's a four week course. How was it that employers started to pick it up and actually host it at their offices? Yeah. So it's online, it's virtual, it's completely asynchronous. So you can be anywhere at any given time of day or night. And the really cool thing is that people in a cohort, in a particular group are there from all different employers. So you're sort of getting the perspective of people from all over the place. And it often leads people to say, oh, well, my employer might not be so great at X, but they're actually really good at Y compared to this other person. 
And how did it start? So initially I had, you know, mostly individuals who are signing up for it, but really the business model for mindful return is the employer side is much more practical as a business model because you get recurring business. If somebody takes the course once they may take it again, you know, in a couple of years, but really that's the end of the road for them. But an employer will always have additional people going out on leave and coming back. And so I started basically speaking with contacts and friends who had connections into HR and said, you know, hey, is this anything of interest? I remember going to a Georgetown Law women's panel and there was a woman from a major law firm on the panel. And during the panel conversation, she said, we just can't figure out how to retain our new parents. They keep leaving. And I walked up to her after the panel and said, I think I have a solution for you. And Mm -hmm. sure you know, three weeks later, they signed on to buy a whole bunch of course registrations and we've had a great relationship since then. So it really started in, you know, one at a time with employers. And early on, it was about, about 90% of the people who took the course were there because they found out about it through their therapist or their yoga instructor, or just found out about it online. And 10% were there because employers offered it. Now it's pretty much the reverse. It's about 90% of the people in the group are there because their employer gave it to them. And then the other 10% find it through podcasts and uh, blogs and things like that. Okay. And the program is not specifically created for lawyers, but you found that lawyers have really taken to it. Yes. So I think because I am a lawyer, law firms are more likely to say, oh, she gets us, mm-hmm. uh, which I do. I totally understand the billable hour. I am <laughs> one of you. And about two thirds of the 73 companies currently offering it are law firms. Okay. So there are engineers and doctors. And I had a member of the Dutch Navy in one session and, you know, people from all over the place in all different professions. And you tend to find a lot of lawyers in there just because of where people are coming from. Yeah. You know, and the law firms initially started off offering it only to their lawyers and then also eventually realized that their professional staff also needed Mm -hmm. help with the transition. So I've been really grateful that a lot of them have switched over and are now offering it to pretty much everybody who's employed by the firm as well. Yeah. When I was researching for this call, I was like, why is this so innovative? Right. (laughs) I mean, you know, people who have kids and especially at my firm, I have a lot of the secretarial staff are much older than I am. Mm-hmm. And so they've already dealt with this. And then you have younger people who are here who are going to potentially deal with it, but no one talks about this. Yes. Um, I remember I told my manager, I was like, hey, I'm pregnant. And no one talked about it until like two weeks before when I turned oh in my, my paperwork. And then they're like, oh, you're still leaving, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I've now, been growing, yes. <laughs> so my daughter was born in June and we started working remotely in March. So I want to say that was why, because uh, they didn't yes. see me, but I know it's not, right? Yeah, it is so, hard for people yeah. to get their heads around it. And, you know, there's a startlingly large percentage of women in the United States who are terrified to tell their employers mm-hmm. that they're pregnant because of all the motherhood bias and stigma that's associated with that. And so, yeah, we could go on a whole tangent in that regard, but. (laughs) Yeah, I do think this is a good segue into one of the lawyers said something about problems with retaining talent. Mm -hmm. The women's leadership pipeline leak. What is that? And what (laughs) is Mindful Return doing about that? Yes. So that pipeline toward the different higher levels of leadership in organizations tends to leak a lot at the point where women have children. And in the United States, globally, only about 66% of women actually go back to work after they have a child. And that was a startling number to me. And I, I mean, I could anecdotally see it, but I didn't know it was quite that big. And so one of my goals in creating Mindful Return really was to 
try to help women see that it was possible to keep going in their careers and that there are ways to do it, even if it doesn't look the same way you thought it might look. Mm -hmm. And to really build up a community and support network so that people can rely on each other to get through this hard period. And my team ran some data last January on about a thousand people who had gone through the Mindful Return program over a five-year period from 2015 through 2019. And we discovered that 85% of those individuals who had been through the program were still at the same employer they were with when the program was offered to them. And 93% were still in the workforce. And, you know, to me that said, yes, it's making a difference. It Mm -hmm. matters if your employer gives you a tool to help you stay and says, I care that you come back. That matters. Yeah, I want you to stay. Yes, exactly. And having that community and support network really matters. And yes, there's the factor of a lot of sort of type A go-getter people are signing up for the course. And I think knowing that your employer really sort of has your back and wants to do something to help you causes people to to say, okay, I'll give it a try. And once Mm -hmm. people give it a try for a few months, they often get their footing. And yeah, it might take a few months, but eventually they get more steady with it and figure out how to make it work. Yeah. And I think it's just taking away the stigma of it where you just kind of Outside of asking, hey, can I see a picture of your baby? No yeah. one really talks about how are you? What are you doing? Not not that I want you to cry on my shoulder, but just. Yeah, acknowledge I, it. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I'm sitting here and I was like, how can I even tell my HR office? Like, did you know this exists? How, what are we doing? Yes. Okay. We have a whole week in the course on leadership as a working parent. And I really focus in part on normalizing that working parenthood experience and being there for the other people in the office to show them that like, yeah, it's possible for people to take me seriously and for me to have a baby at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you have written a book on this subject as well about mm-hmm. returning to work. Why was it important to contribute in that method? Yeah, that's a great question. So the book is called Back to Work After Baby how to plan and navigate a mindful return from maternity leave. You can find it on Amazon. And for me, the book process was sort of funny. I started blogging and I blogged and blogged and blogged and I probably blogged for about two and a half years. And then I sat down and started looking at everything that I had written. And I said, golly, I think I've sort of written a book here if you piece it all together. (laughs) (laughs) And so rather than sitting down to write a book, I sat down to compile everything that I had written and weave it together into a book, which took about four or five months. And so for me, it was an access issue too, because I knew that not everybody was going to sign up for the course, have Mm -hmm. the financial resources to do so, or to have an employer who knew about it, as your example illustrates, but that there was a way for people, you know, for $16.95 to be able to, at a much lower price point, get it and share it with their friends and really be able to feel that calmer return just by plunging into the pages of the book. And, you know, I've had people say, it felt like I sat down for coffee with a friend while I was reading it, you know? So that's really the message that I'm trying to share. Okay, great. So what I love about Mindful Return is not only do you have experience because you're a parent who has two children and has gone back to work, but you have studied this. I mean, you're the subject matter expert on returning to work after parental leave. Mm. Do you think that you would ever stop practicing to just run Mindful Return full-time? That is the $64 million recurring question that I tend to get. And okay. you know, it's one of those things that I really evaluate frequently and every time have landed at this idea that they both feed me in different ways. Yeah, They're sort of mutually beneficial. I get a 
I get that like analytical detail reasoning kick from the legal work that I don't get on the entrepreneurial side. And on the entrepreneurial side, it can be more creative and free flow and opinionated than Mm -hmm. on the legal side. And I find that there's sort of a yin and yang to it. I also, from a financial perspective, am happy to have more of a portfolio approach to my career, right? Yeah. In some instance, in some respects, less risk to diversifying the different income streams. And at this particular point, I'm happy to do both. I believe Mm -hmm. that being a partner at a firm gives me credibility in the mindful return work. And I find that doing the mindful return work energizes me for the legal work too. So the short answer is I'm still living with both feet in a different pond, I guess. Yeah. I mean, lawyers like to juggle, so it makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is good. So Lori, is there anything that you would like to share with the audience about the importance of mindful return, the importance of staying in your job if you want to after being on parental leave? Sure. I think, first of all, it is a normal thing to do to give birth to a human being and to also want to have a career. And I'll say that as many times as I need (laughs) to, to help normalize it. And what I'd say to people is to know that you have value and that you have worth. You didn't lose it simply because you gave birth to a baby and dream about what sort of arrangement you think might work best for your family and get creative about it. Really like sit down and brainstorm, you know, what either time of work or percentage of work or type of work you think would be best for that time in your life and then go get it. You know, the thing you don't ask for is the thing you don't get. And I'll just tell Mm -hmm. a, a short story in that regard. There was a woman who was taking the mindful return course and she wanted to ask this was pre-COVID, so flexibility was a little bit different back then. But she <laughs> wanted to ask uh, her employer if she could shift her work day by a couple of hours so that her hours were more aligned with the daycare and less aligned with her team. And she was terrified to make this ask, but she went in and she had lunch with her boss and she was like, you know, quaking in her shoes. I don't know if my boss is going to approve this. And her boss said, oh my gosh, I thought you just came here to quit. What else do you want? (laughs) And she was like, oh, what else do I want? But she hadn't thought about what else she wanted. And so I think it's that you have to ask. I'm on a 50% schedule at my firm now, but I was on a 60% schedule whenever I joined the firm. And, you know, initially I was asking to be counsel. And then I said, wait, why am I not asking to be partner? And so then I changed my tune and I said, hey, you know, could you make me partner instead of counsel when you bring me in? And they're like, yeah, okay, well, you know, we have to go through more administrative processes, but sure. And I was like, golly, people aren't going to just hand you something Mm -hmm. you don't ask for. So I just encourage everybody to ask for what you need. And if people don't and can't give it to you, there are other people who will. I love that. That's great. Thank you so much. Sure. Absolutely. It's been a a real pleasure talking to you, Kyla. And uh, always good to meet another law mama. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you. Uh Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to You Are a Lawyer. While you are here, subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and tell a friend about this episode. New episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Bye.